Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting from the Oilfield Expert Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And now it's time for me to welcome on my guest, Rich Kishel, who is the Senior Management Group Director and Head of Portfolio Management Group for BlackRock. Rich, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Well, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. We are really excited uh, to do this interview with you because BlackRock has been a lot, uh, has had a lot of coverage in the media, especially here in Texas pertaining to oil and gas and a lot of what uh, perception uh, is related to um, ESG, Environmental Social Governance. And so let's begin by telling me a little bit about your title, what is your role with BlackRock, and then more importantly, the main mission of what BlackRock, uh, the overall company view, why um, you guys handle assets and what seems to be the uh, perception and the problem in Texas as well. There's a lot in there. <laughs> okay, well thanks, Kim. Uh, well, it's good to be here. Uh, look, uh, I, uh, I run the Portfolio Management Group at BlackRock. Uh, which is a group of a couple thousand investors uh, who invest portfolios on our clients' behalf. Um, I think it's important to understand BlackRock to understand what we do. And that is, we're an investment manager. Uh, we run about $8.6 trillion. Uh, we've been in this business for 35 years. We started with eight people and zero dollars under management. And today, we have almost 20,000 people and $8.6 trillion. So uh, we've grown this business by delivering returns for our clients. The thing about being an investment manager, because uh, we're not a bank, we're not an investment bank, is that the money we manage is not ours. Uh, it's for our clients. It's for pension funds. Uh, it's uh, The vast majority of it is for people's pensions. Uh, it's for institutions. It's for individual investors. Uh, and our job is to produce the best return we can for them. Um, and so... Uh, we've been a major investor uh, in the energy sector, uh, been that way for many years. Uh, we have about $330 billion invested in energy, makes us the world's largest. Uh, about $260 billion of that uh, is in the equity space, stocks. Okay. About $70 billion of it is bonds and debt, where we are investing in those securities and providing you know, financing for businesses. Of that 330 billion, about 90%, a little bit more, is what I would call traditional energy, said differently, oil and gas, uh, and the rest is in various forms of new energy and renewables. Okay, that's a whole lot of energy uh, and power pertaining to where you were making these investments. So tell me, you mentioned how impressive in the trillions that you guys are managing other people's money, but specifically, let's drill down a little bit into the energy sector. There's been a lot of publicity in PR, especially here in Texas, that energy companies are not receiving capital. There's also a lot of pushback on our investment companies still able to invest in the oil and gas sector, and it's such a critical component to the Texas economy. Sure. So let's talk about what do you believe BlackRock's mission is pertaining to oil and gas for now and for the future look our, our mission doesn't pertain to any particular sector our mission is to produce the best investment returns we can for our clients right and we do that by investing across the spectrum uh, the energy sector 
and in particular oil and gas, is a pretty important part of that mix. Uh, and so if you look, as I said, we have $330 billion invested in energy. Um, we can't be successful in generating the returns for our clients unless those companies can be successful. Uh, they have to be able to grow their businesses. They have to be able to, to prosper. Uh, and we are you know, a very large shareholder. If you look at here in Texas, we have about $135 billion invested in uh, Texas-based energy companies. Of the 10 largest Texas-based energy companies, we're the number one or number two shareholder in eight of them. We're the three and the four in the other two. So we have a vested interest in their success uh, and in helping them uh, you know, prosper and grow their businesses. There's a lot of noise. I acknowledge that about what various people think about what we do. Uh, we've never boycotted uh, energy. Uh, we've certainly never boycotted Texas. Texas is a, a really important market for us. Uh, we have, not only do we have investments uh, into Texas companies, we also run a lot of money for Texas uh, uh, investors, about $190 billion, $140 uh, for various institutions here, mm -hmm. uh, including $20 billion for state and local pension funds, uh, and $50 billion for individuals here. Again, the vast majority of whom are saving for their retirements. And so our goal is to kind of continue to provide them the best possible returns we can. So some of the energy companies you talked about, some of them are the largest. Would you, who are some of them? Who are some of these energy companies that you're investing? Specifically, are the ones that are in oil and gas or have a large portfolio or a large part of the oil and gas sector versus maybe renewables? Sure. Go down the list. Exxon, Mobil. ConocoPhillips, Chevron, Phillips. The large integrated companies that are very diverse. All the way up and down. Uh, look, we are, uh, the vast majority of what we do is in the public space. We are also investor uh, in, uh, in private securities uh, and private companies. We've invested in pipelines here. Uh, we're very pleased to partner with Valero recently on a $750 million pipeline investment. Um, we funded the Whitewater Whistler Pipeline here in Texas, the $40 million investment. We have a $55 million investment in Triple Crown Resources, the upstream energy player in the Permian. So, you know, it's not only for the very large public companies that you all know, uh, but it's for a variety of other, you know, players uh, up and down the capitalization spectrum. So, Richland, what is your opinion on why is BlackRock getting such a negative uh public relations campaign going against the company, if you seem to be very diverse in pipeline, midstream, upstream, and I'm sure you're probably in downstream as well. So what is triggering the negative PR coming forward? Yeah, we, um, we are certainly in downstream. As I said, we've been an investor in Valerjo and uh, a lot of others. Um, look, I think uh, people have been politicizing uh, investing. And you know, it's up to us to work with public officials, industry partners, clients, other stakeholders um, to create a better understanding of who we are and what we do, uh, which is part of the reason why I'm here. And I appreciate you giving me the opportunity here. Um, as I said, most of the assets that we manage are earmarked for someone's retirement, right? So that's- These are your teachers, law enforcement. Yeah, firefighters here in Houston. I'm very proud that, that they're an important client, but yeah. Uh, teachers so in Texas, municipal workers. in oil and gas. They are investors in, in oil and gas and their pensions. Absolutely. 
Uh, absolutely. I'm not going to talk about any particular client's portfolio. Um, look, but we really believe uh, in uh, uh, in being a responsible partner here. We are a big investor, as I said, in the Texas-based oil companies. We also provide $12 billion of funding to Texas municipalities through municipal bonds, you know, building schools, roads, uh, you know, senior living centers all across Texas. So uh, we have that, uh, that commitment. Look, I think uh, sustainability has become uh, a bit of a buzzword. There are places in the world where sustainability means we don't do stuff. We exclude things. Um, that's not our approach. Uh, our approach is to give clients choice, right? It's their money. It's not our money. So clients have different time frames. They have different uh, investment objectives. Um, they put different constraints on their portfolios. Uh, some clients don't want us to have alcohol companies in their portfolios. Some clients don't want us to have tobacco uh, in their portfolios. And yes, some clients around the world don't want us to have uh, exposure to fossil fuels around the world. But that's a client choice. That's not a BlackRock choice. And if you look of the $8.6 trillion that we manage, about $560 billion, so uh, about 7%, has some kind of constraint or objective like that on it that's placed on by the client. The other $8 trillion, it's our job to produce the best returns possible given their objectives. And that's, uh, that's what we do. And so I think there's been a lot of um, focus around um, what sustainability means. Mm -hmm. um, there's no doubt that there have been, there are companies that, and, and banks that take the approach that they're not going to provide funding. That's not what we do. You know, to me, Rich, what is amazing is these uh, individuals and even banks and companies that refuse to uh, want to provide resources, money towards oil and gas, and yet this is a product and a commodity that they, we can't live without. It's just a, it's the ignorance that's out there of not understanding. We are in a transition, and it's an exciting time to see all these new uh, technologies and, and solutions for the future, but we can't lose sight. We cannot completely get disconnected from oil and gas either. Um, I'd like to also switch gears a little bit and just talk about the conventional energy perception versus clean tech in the ecosystem uh, and how companies are going to look at those in the future. It seems like it's a very um, tough balancing act between fighting perception and this anti-oil and gas sediment that's going on, as well as trying to help the general public understand we still need these resources and we're nowhere close to getting off of them. So how can we continue to uh, invest in them, but also make give enough time for the transition to occur and do that balancing act, if you will. Um, so what does the future look like to BlackRock pertaining to things like clean tech, uh, clean energy, and that whole ecosystem? I think we see uh, terrific investment opportunities in both traditional energy and in the clean tech. And there's an energy transition happening. You may like it, you may not like it, it's happening. Um, what I think, you know, our view is, and what I know our view is, uh, is a couple things. One, we need an all of the above, mm -hmm. right? And there is an absolutely critical role for traditional oil and gas players in the energy transition. I would also tell you that it's the view of our investment teams that the duration of the demand for oil and gas 
is uh, very underestimated by the market today. Um, that's why we think it's a really interesting investment opportunity, right? You see that on the oil side, right, where demand is really a function of increasing standards of livings uh, around the world. You know, that's a trend that's happening. Uh, we believe that will continue. That will provide a, a bid in the market for oil. You're listening to an Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side -side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three and six person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side -side owner study. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. My guest is Rich Pichels, who is Senior Management Group Director and Head of Portfolio Management for BlackRock. Rich, we were talking before the break about conventional energy perception versus clean tech and the whole green uh, ecosystem, if you will. And you were, you know, explaining to us the gas side uh, or the crude side of it, the oil side of it, and you were getting ready to tell us about the natural gas side. Yeah, let, let me just step back. I think the common theme, whether you're talking traditional energy or renewables, uh, is more energy security and less carbon emissions. Right, that is a consistent. That's something thing. we can all get behind. Well, yeah, I think it is, and, and um, it applies really across uh, energy investments. As I said, uh, we believe that the duration of the demand for oil and gas is underestimated by the market. We talked about oil a few minutes ago. With respect to uh, with respect to gas, I think it's uh, we're even more constructive on the demand for natural gas. It's not only uh, critical in the long-term phase out of coal generation uh, at you know roughly half the emissions, uh, but it's complementary and critical as a backup for renewables in an electrifying world. And so against that backdrop, I think you know our view is that uh, public energy uh, companies remain cheap versus the rest of the market and we continue to invest. But you also asked about renewables uh, and there's no question there that we're we're equally as excited about the investment opportunity set in clean energy technology. Uh, and I think that has two buckets, decarbonization and renewable power. So in the renewable power space, including wind and solar, you know, that's grown at about 15% a year for the better part of a decade now. Contrast that to overall energy demand at about 1% growth. So no question the space is facing some growing pains today. Um, you know, and it's going to continue to grow, though, and I think it will benefit from government support, such as you've seen in the Inflation Reduction Act, mm -hmm. uh, and become a bigger part of, of the energy supply going forward. Uh, but you also have, you know, a growing viability of investments involving decarbonization. Um, and whether that's blue hydrogen and ammonia, advanced biofuels, renewable natural gas, all of these are, are things, and I think that most of the big players in the energy space in the traditional energy space are, uh, are participating. No doubt that those technologies have received a boost uh, from the carbon credits outlined in the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, but uh, I think the, the key oil and gas companies today are pretty well positioned to become leaders in the field. And I would tell you here, you know, particularly in the Gulf Coast, Texas and Louisiana, 
uh, are there in a, companies here are in a sweet spot, right? We have a large concentration of industrial emissions, uh, but they are concentrated uh, where the infrastructure to capture and store the carbon is already in place. And so I think some of those investments are relatively small today, uh, but they're going to grow quickly as volumes scale up and the economics become uh, become more compelling. You know, I, I attended a conference of the Port Authorities, their large association, and uh, Dr. Meckel, who is with the University of Texas, is a, an expert on carbon capture and storage. And he was basically telling the ports about how there's in the Infrastructure Reduction Act bill how there's so much money set aside for, for that specifically and how promising it looks for the ports in North America to take advantage of some of this carbon capture funding and that it's not going to be any more of, you know, do you want to participate in this or not? You're going to have to one way or another get involved in uh, decarbonization if you want to survive, period. Uh, companies across the board, this also will extend down into their vendors and stuff. So. It's a pretty important thing that's coming. Um, you, let's switch gears and talk about BlackRock in Texas, because mm -hmm. you guys, again, we're, we're going to hit on uh, the, the rumor is it that you guys are boycotting oil and gas companies and that you are using your clients' money to push around the social agendas, if you will, of uh, you know Green New Deal and things like that. Tell me how you see it from BlackRock's point of view. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, I disagree with that. I mean, I think the notion that we boycott uh, oil and gas companies in Texas is is on, on its face uh, erroneous. We have one hundred and thirty-five billion dollars, as otherwise. I mentioned. Yeah, I mean, I, it does. I, I just came from the uh, the Thrive Energy Conference uh, here in Houston. Mm -hmm. uh, terrific opportunity to meet with a lot of the companies that we invest in, uh, that we help them finance their businesses. Whether we're doing that by buying their debt or partnering with them on important projects. And so uh, I'm pleased to say that I think the vast, vast majority of those folks would tell you that it's uh, it doesn't really make sense. But look, I also think it's incumbent on us to, to tell our story and create a better understanding of who we are and what we do. Uh, and um, you know that's one of the things that I'm working on. Uh, we talked before about the investments that we've made in Texas, uh, both on the public side and the private side. Uh, it's a uh, it's a critical part of who we are and what we do. We do not have um, some normative political view of what the world should be. We're investors. Yeah. I, I've got those are the elected officials. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I mean that that's not what we do. That's someone else's job. Um, I can tell you that I have just about two thousand people that work in the portfolio management group. Uh, none of us get paid based upon the temperature of the earth. We get paid based upon the returns that we generate for our clients. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a uh, uh, it's a hard job, but at one level, it's pretty simple. We can wake up every morning and look at the scorecard. Did we make money or did we lose money for our clients uh, based on uh, what their objectives and constraints are? Um, but as I said, we do believe that clients should have the right to choose how you invest their money. Um, you brought up, uh, you know, our uh, our work and, and our proxy voting. Um, We're going to get to that a little bit later on in the okay. show, specifically drilling down into ExxonMobil. But I guess we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to drill down more into the energy transition. I want you to explain to us this whole ESG, Environment, Social, Governance. What is it and why is it so difficult to navigate around it and from BlackRock's point of view? 
We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Remember this name, Oil Field Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Oil Field Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923, and visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us. 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. We're back. You're listening to the Oil Patch Radio Show. My guest is Rich Cashel, who is the Senior Management Group Director and Head of Portfolio Management for BlackRock. Rich, I want to get back on, uh, before the break, we were talking about the perception that it seems to be uh, here in Texas when we talk about BlackRock and are they really boycotting oil and gas? And your uh, point is no, that's not necessarily happening. It is up to the people who you manage their money to decide what they want to invest in, point blank. Now let's switch gears and talk about why is this happening? We have something called ESG. Uh, for people who don't know what that is, it's, it's, it's labeled environmental social governance. Explain to us what that is and why is companies such as BlackRock having such a hard time in, in, a, in what seems to be a, a, a public relations uh, problem, if you will, pertaining to ESG and, and the whole energy transition? Tim, it's a great question. I think, look, I think, um... ESG or sustainability means different things to different people. Uh, if you go uh, to uh, large parts of the world, like in Europe, uh, it very much means it's about what you don't do. Uh, we don't invest in oil and gas. We don't invest in alcohol. We don't invest in tobacco. We don't invest in these companies. That model hasn't really, uh, that's not the way the model works in the US, where I think uh, sustainability is more about what you do do. You do invest in innovative technologies. You do invest uh, in um, in life-saving biosciences. You do uh, bring capital to communities uh, that need to grow and prosper. So I think there's uh, a, a lot of noise out there. I think it's uh, everyone's got their own view of it, uh, how they want it to be or how they don't want it to be. Um, what I can tell you what it means to BlackRock is that we take into account in understanding risks and opportunities the full spectrum of, of, uh, of data that we can. Uh, and that includes, in addition to a lot of other things, credit risk, interest rate risk, uh, operating risk, uh, it also includes the impact uh, from uh, exposure to a changing environment uh, or exposure to changes in consumer preferences uh, and what they want to have. Um, and so, you know, to me, 
incorporating environmental, social governance factors, just like incorporating any other relevant investment factors is really important and it's what any smart investor should do. Now, the question is, at one point, do you start incorporating what I call values-based investing? Uh, and look, as an individual, any individual with their money can do what they want to do. Uh, and if they want their portfolio to re reflect their values, well, that's their choice. Right. And we believe in giving them that choice. We have a number of different institutions around the country, including here in Texas, who don't want to have exposure to particular uh, parts of the economy, gambling, pornography, alcohol, you name it, everyone's got a different view of what's important to them. With BlackRock, um, that's a decision for the client to make. That's a choice that the client makes. Within that choice that they make, our job is to produce the best possible returns. And we're going to take into account all the information we can get, you know, glean uh, about opportunities, about risks, about prices, what's reflected in asset prices, what's not, in order to make better investment returns. And I think that key thing, that kind of question as to whether it's uh, value, i.e., what is something worth, or it's values, uh, what is a personal preference from the asset owner, is where these two subjects get conflated. And that's what I think has caused the problem. It's such a difficult thing to look at and realize how complicated what your jobs must be to look and take this risk management approach, but yet also look at this commodity that you absolutely have to have and need. And yet the other ones you mentioned are more of in your values, your moral values, no alcohol, tobacco, pornography. But in oil and gas, if you're an investor trying to make money for your you know, pension retirement, oil and gas has been knocking down some amazing profits for their shareholders. <laughs> as well. So it's, you're losing money by having that approach and that belief as opposed to the record profits that they're making for their investors and shareholders. I'm going to well, give you no. an opportunity to, to answer that as soon as we come back from break. You're listening to an old tech radio show. We'll be right back. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us, 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210 210- 2407188. Hey, when you're in business, you have to make a lot of tough choices. So let's talk about an easy one your workers' comp coverage. If you're a propane or butane dealer or operator, you need to join the Lone Star Energy Safety Group through Texas Mutual Insurance Company. As a member, you'll automatically get a discount on your premium, plus, you can earn double dividends that'll go straight into your pocket. It's the easiest decision you'll ever make. Find out more at TexasMutual.com slash Lone Star Energy. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. My guest is Rich Michelle, who is the Senior Management Group Director and Head of Portfolio Management for BlackRock. Rich, before I uh, went to break, I kind of had a Kim moment in which I don't understand people's, uh, you know, their, their rationale and their thinking when 
oil and gas companies are, are making such record profits that it even made it into the State of the Union with President Biden of, you know, uh, mm -hmm. the backlash and the elected officials are very angry about this profit. And yet for a company like BlackRock that invests and tries to return money and value to their customers, this is a pretty big thing to be able to deliver profits back by big oil and gas companies. On top of that, it's a commodity that we must continue to use to even survive everything we utilize today is a product of oil and gas. What is your uh, comeback to telling a person like oil and gas is really a good investment right now pertaining to the future in stocks, bonds, and profitability? Yeah, look, I mean, uh, first of all, oil and gas have had a tremendous run. Uh, if you go back to the end of 2020 until the end of uh, 2022, uh, so in that two year period, uh, public oil and gas companies returned on the order of 160%, uh, and that compared to a 12% return for the broader S&P. Uh, that's a pretty remarkable period of underperformance. But like any other sector, there are going to be periods of underperformance as well. Uh, and I think the opportunity is to make certain that you're investing with someone who can help you navigate those things. If you are going to systematically exclude uh, sectors from the market, um, you are presumably going to reduce your opportunity uh, to, to add value for your clients over time. And again, um, clients can choose to do that. Uh, BlackRock doesn't choose that for them. And in fact, as I said, we've been a, a big investor in the, in the sector. Uh, we remain bullish on the sector uh, as we think the market is underestimating the duration of the demand for oil and gas. Uh, but at the same time, we also see great opportunities in the renewable sector. Right. So undoubtedly, you know, you're going to want to have, as we go through this energy transition, an all-of-the-above type approach. Yep, and you mentioned that earlier. Let's just, uh, I'm going to just flip this a little bit, the script here, and talk about, we mentioned earlier uh, proxy voting, and uh, specifically, let's talk about ExxonMobil and the engine number one. BlackRock supported uh, advocates there. Ad is it advocates? Activists, excuse me, activists there. Uh, so do you believe that maybe BlackRock might have a little bit too much influence when we talk about proxy voting, specifically the, can you talk about the energy transfer, I'm sorry, the uh, ExxonMobil and Engine One? For sure, let me, let me talk about a couple things. One, you know, our stewardship or our proxy voting, as you call it, is done with a pretty, um, uh, a pretty straightforward objective and that is maximizing long-term returns for our clients, right? And so if you look in our various portfolios, our active portfolio managers, they vote their own shares. So they vote the shares in a way that they think is gonna maximize the best return uh, for our clients. Uh, for our index portfolios, and don't forget, we're a large index manager, which means if a stock is in an index, we own it, right? It also means that if we don't like what the company is doing, we can't sell it. It's in the index. So we're the ultimate long-term investor. So our proxy voting, our stewardship, if you will, is focused on creating the best long-term return uh, for our clients. I will tell you this, that our stewardship team is full of investors. It's not, it's not activists. It's not environmental activists. It's not lawyers. It's investors, people who evaluate uh, the impact of their proxy voting. The reality is the vast, vast, vast majority of the time, uh, we support the companies and we support their management teams. 
there are occasions when we believe a company's been underperforming when there needs to be some change and in those instances we will vote against management in various forms and I think that's what any fiduciary does it's the responsible way to go that said we understand there's been a lot of focus on this and of the voting power that large investors including BlackRock have because we are the largest single equity owner in the United States and so what we did was we pioneered something that we call voting choice and that is if you the client wants to vote your shares your own way you want BlackRock to manage your money but you would prefer to vote your shares because you want to vote with a value-based approach you want to vote your values based approach for whatever reason you want to take a different attack we've given people that flexibility to do that so right now about half of our index book about two trillion dollars makes voting choice available to our clients and about 500 billion dollars of clients have taken us up on that and have chosen to vote their shares themselves so that way if if they don't think that BlackRock is voting the way that they would vote the shares they can do it themselves and you know what it's been very popular I think it's changing the way that investors view stewardship and almost seems like they're a partner with you all well they always are partners I mean our clients are our partners as are the companies we invest in but 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 they can decide to vote the way they want and as I said we've made that available to every state pension fund in the country a number of us have taken us up on it and we'll look to expand that and expanding that you know requires regulatory change it requires technological change we've led that charge and I think set the standard for the industry as other managers are now adopting a voting choice which will change the way that that proxies are voted in this country very interesting we're going to go into our last segment and in the last segment which I want to get your opinion on the whole energy companies the future for them the new technologies that are developing as well as what is the future that BlackRock sees in the diversification between the traditional oil and the clean energy tech I know we talked touched on it earlier but I don't think we really drilled down what is the future going to hold for the whole energy transition take a quick break you're listening to an oil patch radio show we'll be right back are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, advertising and social media, and search engine optimization. All of these areas really affect how Google ranks your entire listing. So if ranking on page one is your goal, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com slash business profile. We'll be in contact with you within 24 hours. Once again, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com slash business profile. Start dealing with a company you can trust and always find. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth. 
and deserve a side-by-side -side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three and six-person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side -side owner study. And we're back. You're listening to an Oil Patch Radio Show. My guest is Rich Cashel, who is the Senior Management Group Director and Head of Portfolio Management for BlackRock. Rich, we've covered a lot in this show pertaining to uh, perception, public relations, uh, part that you're handling for BlackRock, how uh, our elected officials here in Texas are viewing the company, um, and then just overall, what does BlackRock see in the future pertaining to oil and gas, as well as investments uh, in the renewable space? And there's a lot of, um, I think, questions. There's a lot more questions than answers because ESG is really kind of taking the, the main space forward. And what is ESG? It's kind of, we're making it up as we go in many ways. So there's really no formula. What is energy transition to BlackRock and to you all? What does the future hold pertaining to oil and gas? How much of the future will BlackRock be looking to invest in energy transitions away from oil and gas and into more futuristic type of technologies, carbon capture, things like that? Right, well, look, there's a lot in there. Look, I would say uh, overall, um, our view is that we believe an orderly and a well-managed transition is going to be good for the economy. Uh, and to create a significant investment opportunity. Um, importantly, I don't think there's anyone at BlackRock who thinks that can happen without the involvement of the traditional energy companies. Right? They're going to play a major role in that. We know that developing markets need to decarbonize by using energy sources such as natural gas. Um, and you know uh, the, the security and the reliability that's provided by traditional oil and gas is going to be critical. Uh, and I think there are going to be great opportunities from an investment perspective to be able to provide secure and reliable energy with lower carbon emissions going forward. We can talk about some of the specifics around that. But, um, you know, on the, uh, on the renewable side, uh, we think that that's a really exciting spot as well. Uh, and frankly, uh, you know, there's a, um, uh, the policy support for, for wind and solar. Uh, is going to be very strong. It remains strong across the U.S. and in Europe. Uh, you've seen that with the production tax credit that was extended as part of the IRA uh, through, I think, the end of 2024. Um, but you see the technology on that side also improving. You know, better wind blades, uh, better, uh, photo, uh, you know, uh, solar photovoltaic conversions, just more efficiency. I, I think it is worth mentioning, uh, as we sit here in Houston today, uh, that Texas is leading not only in traditional energy, but also in renewables. That's correct. And, and so, uh, you know, sometimes, it, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, biggest wind generation state and the second in solar, I believe. So when, when you look at all those things, you ask yourself, you know, what does the opportunity set look like? And I think that there are some, some really interesting, uh, you know, opportunities. And there are also going to be some challenges out here that, uh, uh, that people should look at. Uh, if we talk about uh, the traditional space, the single biggest opportunity for tr traditional energy is structural coal-to-gas substitution, right? 
you can uh you know massive opportunity for the uh for the gas players create the power half the emissions uh you know that's going to be important around the world um from a geopolitical perspective the loss uh, of russian energy exports is also a tremendous opportunity for U.S. producers right. to step up. Because that was about ten percent that was taken offline. Yeah, but you're, you're, I mean, but the ability to provide kind of reliable and responsibly produced energy um, and to export that to global markets is going to be really important, right? The U.S. Look at the the journey of the U.S. going from a net importer of oil and gas to kind of the world leading producer exporter. and a growing exporter, mm -hmm. right? That's going to be going uh, going to be important. You know, on the threat side, I think you have to consider the the, the biggest threat is to long-term gasoline demand um, from EV adoption. Uh, even here in Texas, outside the parking lot, uh, you see a lot of them. And while I would argue to you that the projections for EV uh, is probably a little aggressive, uh, no question to me uh, that gasoline is the most disadvantaged barrel, whereas everything else has fewer uh, fewer replacements. And, you know, when we talk to the refining companies, um, they're already exploring technologies that can convert gasoline and naphtha uh, to distillates and petrochemicals and other things and what they're going to do to, to, to use them. You know, uh, on the newer technology side, as I said, uh, solar and wind, uh, you have the strong policy support. Um, I think the IRA has opened the door uh, to many low carbon technologies that weren't economic before. And when you saw the 45Q carbon credit go from $50 per metric ton to 85, um, uh, that changes yeah. uh, the, the economics and provides a very powerful incentive. And I think an underappreciated investment opportunity uh, for people looking to capitalize on that. And so, you know, uh, no doubt that the transition technologies have a bunch of threats against them, including inflation, including resources. Um, but um, you know, ultimately, as those industries mature and those capabilities mature, uh, they need to have compelling standalone economics. And I think they'll get there. It's a very interesting time that we are in. It's actually a very exciting time because I think, you know, when you mentioned Russia, I just want to close with that, that, you know, we have to think about these countries, they don't have things like the Water of America, EPA, uh, oversight and regulatory agencies that actually uh, help to uh, decrease uh, air emissions and, and things like that, keeping the water clean. The United States is always going to be the leader in this. Let us develop it and share it with the rest of the world. I think that's how we conquer the oil and gas of the future, pertaining to how do we do it right and in a responsible way for the environment. Uh, but that's just my belief, and uh, we'll see as things roll out. But it's a very, very interesting time, and I do appreciate you, Rich, coming in and telling us what BlackRock is is up to and what y'all's thoughts are for the future for oil and gas and your portfolio management for your customers and for your team. Thank you again for joining us on Annual Patch Radio Show. Thank you for coming to see you. Thanks for having me, too. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. 
Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us, 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. Remember this name, Oilfield Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oilfield equipment needs. Oilfield Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oilfield parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oilfield Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210 210- and visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. Hey, when you're in business, you have to make a lot of tough choices. So let's talk about an easy one, your workers' comp coverage. If you're a propane or butane dealer or operator, you need to join the Lone Star Energy Safety Group through Texas Mutual Insurance Company. As a member, you'll automatically get a discount on your premium, plus you can earn double dividends that will go straight into your pocket. It's the easiest decision you'll ever make. Find out more at TexasMutual.com slash Lone Star Energy. 